The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week, we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking for healthcare innovators. Here on the Healthcare Wrap, we believe that healthcare has to truly become consumer first, and we're trying to do something about it. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years, or we can jump in right now. Come be a part of it. Each week, we talk about building the healthcare of tomorrow. We recently passed 180 episodes and three years on the air. We're now in season six, where we're focusing on how to operationalize and scale consumer first healthcare and digging into the details of how to make it happen. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about how innovators can find hope by coming together as a new community. How can we collectively accelerate the pace of change, expand our vision, and disrupt back? I'll talk about that. Then Zane and I share some provocative thinking about another tool in our new tool set, Lean Startup Methodology. How can we use the Lean Startup Method to improve our processes for innovation? This episode is jam-packed, and we have a lot to share along the way. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. flavor of the week. If last week was an episode in the Star Wars trilogy, it might be titled A New Hope. Except where episode four in the original trilogy heralds the coming of the one person prophesied to bring balance to the force, last week gave me hope for the future of a rapidly evolving healthcare industry. And the source of that hope is a collaboration of many people in many different roles, not just a single person or entity. So what happened last week? I had the pleasure of facilitating two video calls that felt like beginning steps in a significant new direction. We started discussing perspectives on the increased pace of new entrants offering healthcare services, including Aaron Martin's piece that I discussed in episode number 179 on how it's time for health systems not to go back to business as usual, but that this is the time for health systems to step up and lead disruption. We also discussed Rock Health's piece from just days ago on the trend of what they referred to as the middle children, meaning the non-traditional entrants that aren't the size of big tech and big box retailers, but also aren't the big brands in traditional health delivery or startups. These brands are household names from Target and Best Buy to Lululemon, Nike, and Airbnb. Then we spent the remainder of the hour ideating and riffing to take the conversation to places we didn't know it was going to go. Here's what gave me hope. The collective desires expressed by those on the calls to accelerate the pace of change, expand our vision of how to improve healthcare, and disrupt back. This group wants to do more than simply optimize or even transform the current system that's built around the question of how can we fix. They want to see how we can build a system around how can we thrive. And they're ready to do it by coming to the table with those from different perspectives, skill sets, and types of organizations. If that describes you, DM me on LinkedIn, and I'll tell you how to get involved. 
I've said repeatedly that we aren't going to fix the system with the same thinking that created the system in the first place. And we're not going to get to the right answers by asking the wrong questions. And if we take too long to get there, it might not matter. So yes, I feel a new hope, and there's a place for you to be part of it as well. Let's come together as a professional community and focus all of our collective energy on creating the healthcare that people actually want. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. Hey, Zane, it feels like it's been forever. How are you? Good. How are you, Jared? Oh, just moving along, just taking things one day at a time. And uh, good to see some some momentum out there in the world. It feels like I realize it really is up to me to decide if, if it's going to be a good day or not. And it's, it's just a good reminder to say no one else controls that for me. So some days I just need that reminder. Today was one of those and it's, it's going to be a good day. Awesome. Yeah, I've been busy on my end navigating career transitions, which you know, at some point maybe can share with our listeners and I actually moved out of Canada, and so now I live in Detroit, Michigan, and so I'm no longer crossing the border every day, but actually living here, so uh, it's going to be a fun next season as we come out of this pandemic. Yeah, Zane, that's quite the tease for our listeners, so I think, you know, at some point we'll double-click on that a little bit and let people in on what's up with with your life, but it's uh, safe to say things are all very exciting for you. Congrats on the move, and uh, we'll, we'll dig into that as we go along. I'm definitely curious, you know, if if that has impacted just what's been on your mind lately. Like, is there any topic or trend that just has been on your mind lately? No, nothing maybe specific, but I think, you know, as we're coming out of this pandemic, I've been listening to lots of other podcasts and, you know, following, you know, thought leaders in different industries and even, you know, listening to some like career coach folks. And, you know, one thing that everyone has been saying is like the biggest places, you know, that they're recommending young people get involved in, you know, or those looking to transition their career is actually the intersection of healthcare and technology, which is right where the two of us are. So that's fantastic. And I think people are starting to recognize, again, especially as we're coming out of this pandemic, and not that we didn't know it before, but I think we, we realize it even more through this pandemic, that healthcare still isn't where it needs to be, um, both in terms of service, both in terms of how digitized it is and so on and so forth. And so it's exciting. I'm excited you know, for the next, you know, five to 10 years, I think, you know, all of us, the two of us, and then our listeners, we're in the right industry to make some real change. And it sounds like, you know, the folks that influence the industry around us, you know, are rallying and shouting for us to continue to do the work that we talk about here. So it's going to be, I think, some very innovative and exciting next few years. And I hope, you know, everyone, including yourself and our listeners are encouraged and should continue the fight. Yeah, you know, that is an encouraging thought. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. No problem. So I think today, Zane, let's continue on this series we've been doing on the new tool set. And to remind listeners, we've had a handful of these over the last few weeks where we've talked about a specific tool. And we are talking about business management methods. We are talking about mindsets and we're talking about innovation methods and mindsets that allow us to create products and service lines and experiences that are consumer first. And- Yeah, that it takes a lot to realize we need new tools. And yeah. some of those that we've done recently have included, we've talked about business model canvases, value proposition canvases. We've talked about human-centered design and, and service design at a, at a foundational level. And one of the next ones we want to talk about, our focus today is on lean startup. And 
this describes from my understanding, this is, it's kind of a, an umbrella term for, for a few different things. You want to get us started out like on kind of our foundational level, our, our lean startup 101. Tell us what this is. What should we know about it? Yeah. So lean startup is to your point, almost like an umbrella term similar to design thinking or human centered design that can kind of mean a lot of things to a lot of people. And frankly, some of the tools we already talked about fit broadly within that construct. So ultimately lean startup was made popular by a gentleman by the name of Eric Reese, who's Go figure based out of you know the Silicon Valley area. And um, he's an entrepreneur. He wrote a book about it. He started to make it popular. And, and more or less, his grievance was he was tired of building, you know, soft software-based products that ultimately couldn't get any traction. And what he realized, and again, not necessarily rocket science, but he codified the thinking. What he realized is that oftentimes, you know, in the traditional IT digital space, products were built based on the ideas of an entrepreneur or innovator. They built them, built all the features, and then tried to launch them and realized, much to their own chagrin, that, that there was no product uptake because perhaps they built a product that no one wanted or didn't exactly meet the needs. And so, you know, they lose out big time, right? And so the lean startup methodology showed on scene. And frankly, it's the, the method that, you know, a lot of big brands in healthcare use, sorry, not healthcare, but technology, be it Amazon, Google, Facebook, you name it, or any of these, any of these startups that we're all familiar with are using. And basically it's a methodology that says, and again, and this is, I want to remind our listeners that a lot of this stuff connects, so this shouldn't be new to anyone, but it's the, the idea that we should first learn what it is that our consumers or our potential customers actually have a challenge with, like what is their real problem? Let's go and learn. And based on what we find out, based on all of the jobs to be done or the insights that we find through those qualitative research methods and quantitative Based on that, let's start to design a product with features that specifically address the challenges that we've uncovered. In a nutshell, that's what Lean Startup seeks to do, starting with those insights. And then you, I want to say slowly, but based on those insights, you start to build what the product is and test it, and then ultimately go and scale it and start launching new features. And the idea is that, you know, by day one of launch, if you will, there's already a customer willing, ready, and maybe they already paid you ready to buy because you've designed a product that they actually want and need. So in a nutshell, that's it. Well, let's zero in on that last part. You just said creating a product or service that people actually want. This is not the traditional starting point for healthcare. And I think that's one reason why Lean Startup is considered part of our new tool set. And I'll Take us to the opposite end of that spectrum, which is a lot of experience as a former web developer, web content director, those types of roles where I was responsible for driving traffic, bringing people to a certain place, having a certain level of experience, leading to certain calls to action, measurement, and at the end of the day, creating the destination for all of those things to happen. And talk about an evolution. Web development could not be more different than the early days when I was really in there in the trenches. But I remember the the infamous start of any web project, which was the list of business requirements. And this was the fun part that led to a scope of work. So if we were working either with an internal development team or an outsourced vendor, we would start with this list of business requirements. And it was fun. It was exciting. We'd all get together and say, these are all the fun, fancy things we wanted to do. And hey, I read a blog about, hey, how we should do this thing. And hey, somebody listened to a podcast. And okay, yeah, let's throw that thing in there. And it was everything short of the kitchen sink. 
And so at the end of the day, you, you'd have this full list yeah. and you'd say, all right, well, here's, here's the things we'll just put in version two, in air quotes, version two of websites, which 99% of projects I was involved in never got to version two. So it became this mythical place of like, yeah, that's where we'll do all those other things. Let's just get an MVP out first. Let's just get that version one out. But in the process of that, I would learn a couple of things and I started to see this as a cycle and it would be, it would be challenging at whatever point I was in this cycle, starting with that list of business requirements, right? So these are all the things, hey, we know these are the things we wanted to do. You take that to the dev team. They say, okay, here are the things we need. Here's how we're going to create that. Here's how we're going to make it do all those things. Yeah. The, the timeline for even just that process, we haven't even gotten to a scope of work yet. <laughs> the timeline was often weeks. It was sometimes months. And by then, guess what? The requirements had changed. And so you'd go back to the list of business requirements and then the developers would be all up in arms because they'd be talking about change orders. And then the project owner would balk at having new costs and, and everyone would feel frustrated. Like and it happened again and again and again because the cycle of time between some initial list of what we think it needs to do in the process of early stages of creating that thing, so much had changed. User yeah. digital behaviors change on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that's what it comes down to. So there are times when this was a tool set I wish I had come across a lot earlier because I think it could have saved a lot of that back and forth. Oh, absolutely. You know, it ultimately would help you create products that are quote unquote shippable by, you know, by the end and, and palatable to your, your customers and patients. Uh, totally agree. And I think one thing that, you know, if I may for a minute ramble, one thing that sets, you know, uh, sorry, means uh, startup apart from other methodologies and just the traditional way, you know, how we plan healthcare service and healthcare is um, it focuses on what they call validated learning, which, which basically means that you come up with a hypothesis, you know, about the world, you know, about the product or service you're trying to trying to create and through the through the method you actually design a process to actually go in and test is this true yes or no and so it might be you know would patients you know respond well to or you know would patients want you know a a version of primary care that's all digital yes or no and then you know through the process you, you develop that hypothesis and then you start you start actually experimenting and to experiment, what you start doing is creating what they call a minimum viable product, which you know folks might have heard about or a prototype. There's a little bit of a nuance between both, but ultimately your minimum viable product is a version of your product or service that is so basic that it just hits the fundamental features that need to be true to say that you're delivering some product that addresses the need. And so you develop that and then you go and go and actually work with patients and test, hey, do they actually want this to test for motivation, test for usability? And then based on that, you sit back and say, hey, let's analyze the data and reflect, is this something that we should continue with? Did we get it wrong? Do we need to pivot into something different? Did we maybe discover, you know, patients don't want an all digital primary care experience, but you know, they only want 50% of it. And especially when it comes to dealing with children, or maybe they just want, you know, access to oncology through digital service. I don't know, I'm just inventing things. But it's that that building that minimum viable product in the running experiments that, in my opinion, we often don't do well in healthcare. Because frankly, I don't think we have a, even a medium to do it or the courage to do it. 
And, and I think sometimes also we talk ourselves off a ledge where we think that because we're in healthcare, because stakes are so high, that there's no possible way we could experiment and try things in a scrappy way, which I think is a, a complete fallacy. And so that's one of the things that I think is really important in the lead startup methodology that yourself and all of our listeners can start to think about incorporating into their innovation practices. Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff. And we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health IT. Hey, this is Scott Burgess from Healthcare 360, the fair and balanced healthcare podcast, exploring everything you wish you knew about healthcare, but don't. Join us weekly in an open, transparent conversation with some of the biggest names in the healthcare business, surrounding this one question and one question only. Had you known there were other options to exhaust and explore before you travel down the traditional healthcare route, how would you weigh those options against what you think healthcare and medicine really is? For more information about Healthcare 360 and how together we can help transform lives, visit scotteburgess.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us anywhere you enjoy listening. See you there. I like that. Validated learning is, like you said, it's such an important part of lean startup. And when we think about how do we apply that and why does it matter? I think yeah. it's important to to not do that in a vacuum and realize that that's one one yeah. part. I mean, I've, I've seen lean startup described as a, it's a cycle. It, it is. It's is a continual loop. It's totally a cycle. You go around and around the, you know, really, it's almost like design thing, like hypothesize, you know, build and learn. You go around and around and around until, until you land on something that actually sticks. And then once that piece sticks, you go around and around again, developing features and launching them. And so think about Facebook. I remember when Facebook first started, you know, it's really just like a MySpace. So it's just like a picture and a wall. You know, you can share it. I don't even know if you can message on version one. But now look how Facebook has turned into like everything. It's messenger. It's market. It's Facebook dating. Facebook actually sent me a notification to get on that. So <laughs> another story for listeners, right? But it's everything. But all those things didn't come at once. Imagine Jared had Facebook waited till yesterday to finally launch with all its features. Where would it be today? It'd be nowhere. But healthcare does that all, all the time where we try to build too much and launch too late. And we miss the market in a lot of ways, especially traditional healthcare folks. And we just don't bring our value to the market. And so definitely... Lean startup is iterative. It's real life. It's anti-waterfall project management, which we talked about. It's very agile. And it's definitely something we all need to get into. One more thing too, I'll say what I love about the lean startup methodology is that it comes from the principle that best way, or at least the method believes that the best way to understand human performance um, is to track behavior of real people and not ask for opinions. And so what I want to say about that is, in my experience in healthcare, we're really good actually at creating survey monkeys, you know, polling our patients about things and 
those methods of collecting insights are actually very limited because people can lie, questions can be leading, you don't really get the full truth. And so the value of launching a minimal valve product or even a prototype is you can actually observe how Jared Johnson uses XYZ product and draw your own insights as a trained qualitative or quantitative researcher. And so that's something that's also different where we we don't necessarily design products just because in a survey, patients said they wanted to create an app. We go out on a limb with a hypothesis, build a very cheap, minimal valuable product, and then see how the public actually responds to the product or service. And so that is another point of distinction that I wanted to bring to our listeners. It brings up so many things for me. It makes me come back to, to thoughts of when I'd get pitched things on something as simple as wayfinding within a hospital. I think we'd call them account managers at the time or a brand manager, brand manager. That's what it was. A brand manager would come in and say, Hey, I'm trying to solve this problem. Wayfinding within the hospital. We, you know, we, we've heard some comments about how that would improve the patient experience. I'm like, of course that would improve the patient experience. What you got? They're like, we want to create an app for wayfinding. And I'm like, okay, what else, you know, what's the context? Is it just one app for that one thing? When are you going to download it? How are you going to know about it? All these other things. There weren't good enough answers to those other questions to make it feel like this was the viable way to do it. The right question to ask, the right problem to try to solve. But in a vacuum, one app, one point solution to do that one thing, it was going to end up being very cumbersome. And I was, I would try to bring up behavioral examples. So, hey, parents showing up, they barely got there on time. It's a big building. They're trying to find which building, which floor, which office they're going to. And you're telling them on what, a little poster at the check-in desk that they need an app to also find where they're going when they're standing at the check-in desk to just ask somebody where they're going. I'm I'm like, just, you know, let's, let's think through that a little bit more. And then the other thing it it brought to mind was just the, the thought of how this all does come together. If we swing the pendulum all the way to the other side and say, like you said, it really got me when you're talking about all the features that you're trying to pack in all at once that yeah, Facebook never would have gotten off the ground if they tried to see all, every, everything that was whiteboarded in those first sessions, try to fit it all in. Because yep. first and foremost, no one's going to use a lot of those things. Right. And like Facebook dating, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I guess there's the mindset aspect of it. And there's also a process aspect of it. One piece of, of lean startup methodology I understand is about eliminating uncertainty. There are some principles in it involved about how lean doesn't just mean simply spending less money. It doesn't just mean failing fast, failing cheap. It sure. actually is about putting in a process, a methodology around the development of a product. And that in and of itself is the thing that helps you fail fast, fail cheap, and ultimately save money and time. It's just the recognition of how quickly things have changed in my mind coming coming back to the website example of business requirements and how things would change as you even just in the early stages started getting some qualitative feedback and how that would alter some of those initial requirements even well before you had an MVP of any kind, a beta, an alpha version at all. So they're just important things to consider, I think. I guess I keep coming back to that part. And then the other thing is something you said reminded me of sometimes the data doesn't change enough to have to rely so much on it that you can put it together with observation. I think you're making the point of between qualitative and quantitative data that you have, you can paint a bigger picture and sometimes a faster picture. So example, so when 
looking at any hospital's patient reviews, it is good. We, like you said, we're really good at survey monkeys and HCAPs and press gainy and all the different ways that you ask a patient, how is the experience, even though there, there are things about that methodology that can be improved because uh, how much later are you asking them? But I digress, <laughs> but you do have a lot of data there. And so you could just say, this was great. We got fewer one-star reviews overall, you know, proportionately than we did last quarter. And you could say that's progress. You could also say, I can tell you right now, I'm no magician, but I've, I've read enough patient reviews. I can tell you right now, 80% of the one stars had a terrible experience either with their billing experience or with customer service. Somebody was rude to them or inconsiderate or apathetic to them. It does not take a rocket scientist to say next quarter, those are going to be the same two problems at the top of the list. So what can we do to start incorporating that feedback loop in a little quicker way and not wait for the next quarter to come out to try to address some of the problems involved. So I guess that's where my mind went also. Yeah. And that's where, again, everything connects. So that's where we now jump actually into like agile methodology and like sprint planning and things like that to actually start bringing those new features to market a lot quicker. But you know, just trying to connect all the other dots. That's where it rubs a foul against typical, you know, hospital system planning where things are done in quarters or, you know, every two quarters, budgets are issued, capital is dispensed and things like that. And so I say that to say that this all goes back to like a bigger principle, like we talked about like last season in the healthcare wraparound culture, where the culture of an organization needs to start start changing and also the internal process of the organization to, to incentivize and, and create the environment where lean startup and agile methodologies can be implemented effectively. It's a bigger dragon to slay than you might think um, out of the get-go, if that makes sense. Yes, makes perfect sense. I think we kind of tie this all back, kind of wrap, wrap it up by, by saying, where can this help us the most? And I think it is in the space of being able to create a different type of healthcare products and services and experiences. If it's an app, if it's a service line, if it's something about the consumer experience, or even if it's as simple as finding a doctor, you know, having the right content online, each of those pieces, how do we do it better? Well, this is one way, this is one tool in that tool set. And what it does is help us design around the consumer. You know, my goal is to bring every single conversation we have back to that. We are trying to make things more consumer first. So we have to design with the consumer in the middle. And this is one way to do that because it eliminates some of the procedural hurdles, some of the structural roadblocks that we've had in the past of how long it took to get back to solving a problem in the right way. So a great reminder there. Uh, closing thoughts, Zane, in terms of uh, Lean Startup and how it helps us create more consumer-friendly healthcare. Yeah, I would just say this might be very tactical, but Lean Startup, when you do it, like when you start populating the templates and using the tools, it's actually a very tactile and visual methodology, which again connects back to things we talked about in last season where I encouraged our listeners get better at visualizing, whether it's storyboarding, physically prototyping, like get your glue gun out, get some popsicle sticks and and mock things up, draw things, sharpie things. It is very much a methodology rooted in that as opposed to what we're used to in healthcare, which is Excel spreadsheets and PowerPoints. So just want to throw that out there too. You know, as you get better at this, you probably might want to get some training in prototyping, you know, get your kindergarten hat back on, get your markers and your glue out 
and recognize that those methods, though they may appear, even though we're all, we're all professionals, we all wear suits, it, it might feel juvenile to draw and you know cut and glue things together and you know pretend a box is actually a phone, right? But it's actually through those experiential and tactile manifestations of the minimum product that you can actually get the insight. And so do it, do it, do it. Fabulous. Zane, what a fun trip as always. All the best to you. Stay safe, stay well. Can't wait to hear more about, we will unpack that a little bit more in terms of what's going on in your life, but uh, excited to hear for that. And uh, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Jared. We'll talk soon. Ed Marks here with Digital Voices, the only podcast for chief digital officers across all of healthcare and life sciences. Digital Voices is about the voice of the patient, the provider, the payer, pharma, big tech, retail, public health, really any part of the healthcare and life sciences ecosystem, that's the digital voice we wanna capture as we learn and break barriers across the entire spectrum. Join us weekly as we drop our pod. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, do us a favor and follow us using your favorite podcast app. Then tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare App is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. Go check out the latest show. In fact, it's called Hello Healthcare, hosted by Chris Hemphill. It's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at Shift.Health, where all 35 podcasts and video series are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap.